Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Praise the Lord and welcome to Scripture Unleashed. This is Anthony and I'm joined with Seth, Jacob. Hello. Praise the Lord. Joe. Oh, hey. (laughs) There's Seth. All right. If you're unsure, Scripture Unleashed is a Bible reading program put on by the UPCI Children's Ministry Department that goes along with you and kind of divides the Bible up into 365 or 366 days to go through the Bible in one year. Also, if your pastor teaches on topics of conviction differently than what you hear in today's episode, make sure you listen to your pastor. Of course, unless he is incorrect in Bible study, but we'll leave that up to you guys. In this episode, we're going through Philippians 3, 4, Colossians 1 through 4, Ezekiel 1 through 12, and Proverbs 16 through 19. Right away, we're going to go into the book of Philippians chapter 3 and resume uh, the book of Philippians. I'm going to kick it over to you, Brother Seth. No confidence in the flesh, but we have to walk in the Spirit. Yes, sir. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through about 21 through the end of the chapter there, Paul has this uh, writing here, this letter. You know, I like verse 3. He says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And then Paul in verses 4 through 6 like Paul's like, I could have had confidence in the flesh. You know, he could have, right? And this will even go into a little bit later, maybe in Colossians. This thought, it's the same Paul, same always in the Holy Ghost, but we worship God in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit, and we walk in the Spirit. And we're, not, we're to have no confidence in the flesh. Why? Because as Paul talks about, I believe it's in Romans, he says, you know, there's, that in me, that is to say my flesh, there's no good thing. And mm-hmm. uh, you can't really, you can't, not even really, but you can't live for God in the flesh. Right. You can't you can't truly no. serve God in the flesh. I mean, you can you can try as hard as you want to uh to serve God in the flesh, but it doesn't work. You still need the help of the spirit and you still need to walk in the spirit. And you know, if you read four through six, Paul's like he's like the Jew of Jews. Like he's the he's the uh, what do they call it? The oh yeah, the, uh, who's who? He's like the Jew's Jew. He's like the it. Oh, you're and, right. Uh, and yep. he was the man, you know. But then if you look at verse 7, he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. And then the end of verse 8, you know, all those things, they were nothing. He said, they were but dung that I may win Christ right. and mm-hmm. be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, the faith of Christ. And then verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. And if you read a little further again, it, it doesn't seem like Paul agreed with once saved, always saved. Paul wanted to, to be very clear. He he doesn't have any confidence in the flesh. He could have, but he he's going to lean on Jesus Christ. He's going to lean on the faith of Jesus Christ and his faith in Jesus Christ so that he can attain right. And obtain yeah. the resurrection yeah. of the dead. That was what Paul was aiming for over and over again in his letters. It was he wanted to he was looking towards and forward to the resurrection of the dead. You can't get there by leaning on the flesh. The part that I really like about this is verses twelve through fourteen, I believe. It says not as though I had already attained either were already perfect. So he's talking about, you know, 
just before he says, you know, that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And then he says, not as though, you know, I'm not saying this as though I've already attained. And he continues, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. This is what it, what it kind of means to live by the Spirit is what he says next here. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Right. You, you forget about, you know, your past, so to speak. and reaching forth unto those things which are before you verse 14 i press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus and then he calls all of us he says let us therefore as many as be perfect or as many as be mature be thus minded that you forget what's behind you press forward towards that mark of the prize that god has placed for us and he says and if in anything he be otherwise minded God shall reveal even this unto you. So like, even if you have some other mindset right now, this is the mindset. This is like the best way of thinking about your walk with God is that you just need to keep pushing forward, keep marching forward. I just find it interesting in our day and age, we say, oh yeah, I'm saved. But oftentimes that's where a lot of people stop is they say I'm saved is in present, but they don't understand that there is a future right. saving, right. a, fin- a final right. saving that we still have yet to push to. Yes, I am redeemed by the blood of Christ right now, but there could be a time in the future where I slip. And if I don't get back up, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that that kind of stuck out to me too during this was in verse 10. uh, You know, we see that Paul, that's, you know, pointed out Paul said he counted everything uh, a loss for Christ counted as dung. And, and and this is why, and he said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection mm-hmm. and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto death. Um, you know, that verse always kind of like, wow, you know, knowing him and the power mm-hmm. of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I mean, think about that. We don't like suffering. I mean, no one likes suffering. You know, suffering yeah. is not comfortable. Right. It's not, uh, you know, we do whatever we can to get out of suffering. But, you know, let's mm-hmm. hold on a minute now. You know, what about the fellowship of his suffering and being made conformable unto his death? Like, how about that one? You know, that's a, that's quite a place to be, isn't it? But being yeah. glorying in our flesh and being confident in our flesh does not bring that, that's for sure. You know, it, it just doesn't. In mm-hmm. fact, I would say that, that it, it brings about exactly the opposite because confidence in the flesh comes with a maybe a puffing up or confidence to live for God in the flesh. And it's something that's such a fine line that you almost can't even, you can't see it in people sometimes, uh, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Because before we can be resurrected, we got to die. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> this is a perfect yep. parallel to Romans chapter 6. I think what he's talking about, you know, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. But what is right. that? Well, the power of the resurrection in us is the, right. the Holy Ghost yeah. raised in the newness of life. And the fellowship of his suffering is that death right. and burial. You know, and that's that, that water baptism, that repentance, that putting down of that old man. And, uh, you know, and then we do those things, you know, when we're, you know, and it's just, it's, I think it's just perfect right. parallel. But, you know, Paul, obviously there's, there was that, but then there's a coming of uh fulfilling right. that as well and then there you know what i mean like that's putting that old man down every day you know there was paul and paul's uh time literally the suffering 
we may not experience it or we might we never know some crazy end time stuff going on some crazy stuff mm-hmm. in our day but but paul literally suffered yeah. for christ if you read his letters you know it was like how I many three times i was in the deep and you know uh five times received, mm-hmm. you know, received down 40 stripes save one you know and it was like yeah he was stoned yeah he was, i don't know, you know about you guys but i don't like that i mean <laughs> i don't like that you know no. <laughs> Yeah, not, not at all. I guess that's the nature <laughs> of suffering, huh? Yeah, you, you guys point out the, the suffering and everything that Paul went through. But one of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. That, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Um, Brother Jacob, you have some insight on this yeah thought process yeah in studying and stuff like that reading stuff in the context if we continue on into verse 12 and 13 he says i know both how to be abased and i know how to abound everywhere and in all things i am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need and then the the part of scripture that we i don't know that we misquote it but really its context is here he says i can do all things through right. christ which strengtheneth me. You know, he's he's basically being content is the hardest thing that mm-hmm. you could ever do. The reason that he points out that it takes Christ to strengthen us to do this, to be content in any manner that we are, even right. in suffering, you know, even in times of that. And then the fact that we have Christ strengthening us to be content also leads us into peace that peace that passes understanding as it says but it is it it's one of the hardest things to be content especially in our flesh you know our flesh always wants more our flesh always desires the newest thing you know for me what what mine is is the newest tech i love technology or another book i mean i literally coming back from youth camp i bought like 10 books yeah where at barnes and open they were open so, I mean, I stopped there. Contentment is such a hard thing to achieve in and of ourselves that the only way we can do it is by right. the strength of Jesus Christ. One of, one of the things we were just talking about was the fact that we're just not, we're not there yet mm-hmm. as far as we are not walking on streets. Of I thought you are over there in Valley City, though, Anthony. We're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like heaven. I just had a right? little That's girl. Saying, I mean, there's yeah. angels all around. <laughs> um, yeah, well, one of the things is we're, we're not there yet. And we're in this hanging kind of place, right? We're, we're still in, in this, I, I guess, the valley of decision, right? Mm-hmm. We can, there, there's choices to make still. There's still uh, situations that come and that arise. And that fights against our contentment at times. Mm-hmm. But truly, the only thing that is going to bring us that contentment and peace is our relationship with God. Yeah. I love that passage here of course we quote it all the time in verse 8 of chapter 4 finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things keep our minds right it is so important to to look forward to the peace and contentment that god has for us yeah. And of course, taking our needs right. to him in prayer. That's exactly right. You know, if you read verse seven, the peace of God, which we just read, the past all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All right before that, he's talking about be careful, don't be anxious, don't be full of care or nothing. And everything about prayer and supplication right. with thanksgiving, 
let your request be made known to God. Peace of God. Right. Which passes mm-hmm. all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, your poor, virtue, praise. We're supposed to think on those things. And then verse nine, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen and do, and the God of right. shall be Absolutely. with you. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's contingent upon right. doing it is. things that Paul taught to this group of Philippians and the things that they received and the things that they heard and the things that they saw that Paul did. Right. Do them. And this is what's going to happen to you. The God of peace shall be with you. So many people want peace, and they want they want the uh, just the peace of God and the the good fluffy, and they don't want to obey God. I'm just saying it's contingent upon doing right. And the will it, of God. it comes down to you know going back to uh, being confident in the flesh, and you know sometimes it's not just uh, that people don't want to do the do do the commandments of God, but uh, you know, there's good people sometimes that don't have peace, and uh, but it's so hard sometimes to let go of you know situations or whatever, and and, and trust in God. You, you know, sometimes things come up in our life that we we don't have. We just we you know we're just so troubled by it, and and uh, we, you know there's no peace. But if, and things that are you know maybe sometimes really bad. But if we can just trust in God and just let go of our, not try to control everything in our life, there's things we can't control. You know, people lose right. sleep sometimes over over situations that you have no control over. Yeah. And that's, you have no yeah, control yeah. over this situation. Like, you've got to trust God. I allowed kind of like stress and anxiety to get to me before, I mean, for months, and I, you know. Almost to uh, not even almost, but with physical issues resulting from that, it was so high. And then what I was doing is I was holding on to uh, fear of the unknown and fear, and I was holding on mm-hmm. to thoughts that were not, uh, not you know, immoral or impure. Right, they were fearful thoughts. They weren't pure. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They weren't. They weren't not a love good report. You know, they weren't definitely not yeah. a good report. There was anything to be praiseworthy about in those thoughts. Oh. You know, Joe, you know, we were riding back. I was having headaches right. for like months on end. It was all stress related. But I was like, dude, do I have brain cancer? Do I have brain cancer? <laughs> you know, and I just dwelt on that. <laughs> dwelt on every day for like months. And I just had headaches and headaches. Mm. And finally, it turned into body pain all over. But the thing was, um, was I was not trusting in God. And that's mm. the thing is that you have right. to think on these things. And you have to do yeah. them. And the God of peace will be with you. And as soon as you realize... You know what, God's, I, I'm, I'm going to be all right. You know, I'm going to right. trust God. The God of peace will be right. It's astounding. It's so simple, but so hard sometimes. The Apostle Paul said, mm-hmm. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and all things, I'm instructed both to be full, to be hungry, to both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul said he knows how be content no matter what it looks like on the outside like no matter what's going on in life he said i know how to be content and i would say the reason that paul could do that is luke chapter 17 jesus said the kingdom of god cometh not with observation and he was dealing with the pharisees and the pharisees were very much people that like to look at the outside situation and um you know, it was all about appearance to the Pharisees. But 
Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And then he said, neither shall they say, blow here, blow there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is not something that, that's outside or, or that our joy and our peace needs to be, you know, contingent upon what's going on on the outside. But if we have the kingdom of, if we're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is within us. It's within the hearts of men. And then one more scripture, Romans 14, 17. Um, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy mm -hmm. in the Holy Ghost. And that's why Paul mm -hmm. was able to be content. is because he had this grasp of, oh, wait a minute. Like we, and, and, and I know we do this too. We, we, and we struggle with things like this because things are going bad. And, you know, I don't think we've had it that rough in America, but sometimes things do come up in our life that are, that are pretty, you know, pretty serious situations. And, um, and, you know, the way things are looking mm -hmm. now, I'm not, a, I'm not a pessimist, but, you know, things could get bad, uh, you know, before Jesus comes back, you know, the way things are looking, it could, you know, we could go through some suffering, but just mm -hmm. remember this that the kingdom of God is not subject to this world. It's in your heart. You got the Holy mm -hmm. Ghost. It's in your heart. You can also be content and you can have peace in situations in life. Amen. That's so good. I mean, considering the fact, you know, Paul's probably in prison when he right. wrote, wrote this. Yeah. Just the level of spiritual maturity that he had and that he showcased through years of experience and relying on God. It's just right. a great example. Absolutely. We're going to go over to Colossians. Uh, just a great, great book. This is a terrible segue. You're editing this one? My wife says she's going to edit this one, guys. Woo! Thank you, Kimmy! You are the best! <laughs> Jacob, just yell, thank you, Kimmy! You're the best! Yeah, that better get on next week's episode. It better. I'm have a bit. Okay, we're going to jump over to Colossians chapter 1, 15. Seth and Joe, you guys have uh, a take on this. Yeah, verse. that's nice. Yeah, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push this out here. Colossians 1, uh, I'll start at 14. Actually, starting at 13. Who hath delivered us, talking about uh, giving thanks unto the Father, that's verse 12, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear sons. We're now in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, Hallelujah. even the forgiveness of sins. Who are we redeemed to? We're being right. redeemed to the Father through the mm -hmm. Son. That makes perfect sense. Through Verse 15, yep. who is the image, talking about Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Right. We're still talking yep. about the Son of God. And he is before all things. By him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. Then all things he, who's he, Christ, might have the preeminence. Why? For it pleased the Father that in him, Christ, mm -hmm. should all fullness dwell. And having made peace, this is the Father now, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in heaven, or excuse me, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. I love this. This is a oneness scripture, but this is a scripture um, that Trinitarians, excuse me, will try to go to to disprove the oneness of God. But what they mm. fail to see is the dual nature of Christ here 
that Christ right. is both fully man and he's fully right. the Father. Yes. He is he's fully man and fully God. Um and uh and so that's the thing. So they'll they'll always run to verse 15 and 16 and hold these two scriptures out. Uh well, usually verse 16, and they'll try to say, Look, see, Jesus Christ, the Son created, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And for him, he is before all things, and by him, all things exist. It was not the Son that created everything in the sense right. of the flesh, it was the Spirit, the deity that was within the Son. These verses tie in perfectly. Right. You know, it was Galatians 4 4. Now, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made right. under the law. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 19 is uh, to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And then if you read like a little further down, verse 20, it was the Father that reconciled the world right. to himself through Christ, through that man, through that body. And so, yeah, so we can say, yes, Jesus Christ created the world. Why? Because he is God. He is the Father. Right. He's the creator of the world. Micah 5, 2, his beginnings are from everlasting. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like he's, not his beginnings, but he's from everlasting. You know, he's, right. he's God. He's he's the Father, and so yeah, it was the Father. It was Jesus Christ. He's the Father. Like well, there's no contradiction. There's no confusion. We just know that there's one Father. There's there's one God. That's the Father. And the Father was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. The Father created everything all by Himself. Just, just look up Brother Isaiah. You know, right. He did mm -hmm. it all alone. And Colossians also, if you look at Paul's greeting or his opening, you know. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and, and, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at uh, Colossus, whatever. Grace be unto you, and peace from Colossus. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always with you. Uh, sometimes people will even point to, like a lot of the epistles have... Uh, and you know a greeting similar to this uh like god and the father mm -hmm. well let's talk about that it's like because in, in verse two he said god our father and the lord jesus christ we give thanks to god and the father of our lord jesus christ god really truly is the father <laughs> of jesus christ there is only one yeah. god like that's already said uh, to us there is one god even the Father. And when it's talking about God and the Father, that's not separating anything. You know, that's one and the same. Like in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren. That's the saints. The saints are the faithful brethren. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In, in case you didn't know, in the Trinity, you have to add yeah. to the scriptures. Hmm. You know? And uh, and I have a lot of <laughs> uh, Protestant friends, and I've said this to them. You know, they'll, they'll say, uh, you know, they're very big on solo scriptura, right? You know, scripture alone, faith alone. We're not Catholic. Scripture alone. I'm like, you believe Trinity? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, that's not scripture alone. That is mm -hmm. exactly not, right. You don't yes. believe scripture alone. Mm -hmm. yep. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good people that maybe they don't even really know what they what they believe. There's a lot of good people that go to churches that do, you know, they just like, yeah, you know, I believe Jesus is God or whatever. But the actual doctrine of the Trinity, it truly is uh paganism and it's a horrible doctrine and i really hate it uh, it's horrible yes but, but one thing that mm -hmm. verse 19 for it please the father that in all 
that in him took all fullness dwell. Fullness of what? <laughs> so like like in him dwelleth all fullness. No, <laughs> like just all the, the fullness. Part. Yeah, I'm a hard time <laughs> getting around that one. <laughs> I know. You know, the oneness is so important, so vital to our covenant relationship with God. One of the things that is troubling is is those that try to make a doctrine out of the supernatural while neglecting well the natural while neglecting the spirit of God. See, let's go over to Colossians chapter two, verse eighteen. There's an interesting scripture. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. Intruding into those things which ye hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Brother Seth. Hey, I'm a Protestant amongst Pentecostals, but <laughs> I've been around long enough to like a little experience. We have individuals who uh, seemingly they talk a lot about angels mm-hmm. amongst our fellowship, not just our fellowship, but other apostolic fellowships. And, uh, you know, they're, they're seeing visions all the time, they're seeing angelic things happen all the time which i don't you know i know it's biblical me and joe talked about it like uh cornelius right. cornelius yeah you know he saw an angel you know told him what to do and i believe angels are ministering spirits yes i believe that but there is a line that can be crossed uh where people are you know it seems like they're they're building themselves up and they talk about angels all the time Mm. Or these, uh, this supernatural, they're seeing into the supernatural. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. we've all experienced those people. We've been around those people. I mean, where it's all like supernatural. And again, mm-hmm. I believe in the supernatural and, and the gifts and the working of the spirit. And, you know, Paul saw visions. Uh, of course, John, the revelator. I mean, and he, you know, we'll talk about Ezekiel a little bit later. They saw some crazy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have a uh, a fear that, you know, and, and we look up to those people because it's like, wow, man, this guy, he prays a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's anointed. Oh, my goodness. You know, and uh, and it's like we start to look up these people and build these people up in our minds. And, and there there's this uh, tendency not only for us to build them up, but for them to be built up as well, I think, because it's like, look how many people are looking at me because I'm having this vision. Or maybe yeah. they're not even having these visions. I don't know. I don't have these. You know, I've seen yeah. the vision they're having, and uh, and so like you know they're, they're like, oh, I see all these angels, and they're intruding into those things which they haven't seen, or maybe they have seen, but they're they're starting to like. I get this picture of this verse of like these people are, they're they're like starting to talk about things they really have no idea or no business talking right. about. They really don't know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. but they they talk about them because it looks good. People build them up sure yeah yeah vainly puffed up in their flesh i like what you pointed out there you know about you mentioned paul earlier paul himself right he's writing to this uh one of the churches he's mentioning you know how much they have seen they like these people that he's writing about have have come into the church and they're saying oh i've seen these great things and i've seen these great things and these great things and then he he says you know basically he's like i'm not going to compete with them and then he starts telling it about how he's seen, but he does it in third person. He says, yeah. I knew a man in the flesh, or, you know, whether in the flesh or in the spirit, I know not, who basically went up into heaven and seen all these miraculous things. Again, I don't know, you know, if he was in the flesh or in the, he was saying it all in third person. He wasn't saying like, oh, I seen this and I seen that, which is kind of what we're seeing here in second, uh, in, sorry, in Colossians 2.18. 
these men are basically coming around, you know, with this voluntary humility. They're saying like, oh, you know, I am so spiritual that I was able to see these miraculous things. And basically, as he says, vainly puffed up in their own fleshly mind. They're becoming so prideful at the fact that they've seen all this. And yeah, maybe <laughs> they have, but they shouldn't be sitting there like saying it as though they are something special. Right. But as though well, think about that. God gave them that, you know, like that is a, like a direct parallel. I'm not trying to get political here, mm. but like, I love America more because I spent time with senators or something. You know what I mean? Like a worker. Right. right. That's a part of the government system. You know, I hung out with the garbage man all day. So I love my city right. more than anybody. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't think of that in the physical realm. Yeah. But yet people or tend to do that one? spiritually. Like, that's right. not the point of prayer. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not the point of prayer. You just want to see all these things, so therefore you pray. Like, why not just pray right. because you love God? Mm-hmm. You know, right. That's or, a very superficial relationship with somebody. Right. Yeah. If you're right. just trying to get, get the status, you know. Yeah. Get something. Like, uh, sometimes you see that in like social media or something. You know, I'm taking a, a I don't know what they call it, selfie. Taking a selfie with so and so, so now I'm cool. Or like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm taking a yeah. selfie. Yeah. But really, you know, while thirty I seconds. Uh, you know, you know, feeding the homeless. <laughs> yeah, praying or re. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, let not your right hand. You know, right. kind of thing. But yeah, you know, in and really like this whole section here, eighteen through through twenty three, it's kind of talking about like religion, how we can get so stuck in the do's and don'ts, so to speak. And you know, I, I mean, there is there is good with do's and don'ts. There's there's necessity for fences and things like that to keep us away from you know falling over the edge so to speak uh we we, Absolutely. we heard that a whole bunch at youth camp this this last week but like in verse 20 he says wherefore if ye be dead with christ from the rudiments of the world why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances and and i i usually skip i read it afterwards but i usually skip this part in parentheses here just so it makes sense but are ye subject to ordinances after the commandments and doctrines of men which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Basically, so I like the way that Seth, and I'll have you read that in the ESV here in a second, because I like that translation, how it reads. But, you know, in, in Catholicism, in uh, several others, the chastising of the flesh, like they would physically beat their flesh. Like they would they would whip themselves if they had a, a lustful thought. And it doesn't actually help which is what Paul's saying. Seth, can you read that in the ESV? Verse 23, those, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Yeah, you know, and that severity of the body, like I was saying, like they would whip themselves. You, if you ever have read, I want to say it's the Da Vinci Code. It's a fictional book, but the bad guy in there, I believe it's the Da Vinci Code or it's one of those in, in, in that series. The bad guy in there, basically, he's this this uh, Catholic, uh, self-proclaimed Catholic monk kind of thing. And he basically beats himself. He ties a thing around his leg that, like, stabs into his leg. And, but this is the kind of stuff that they would do, trying to make themselves more holy by attacking their physical body, you know, which we know is the temple of God. You're not supposed to leave any marks on the body and do any of those kind of things. So when we get so stuck in, you know, the the physical, how to 
control ourselves and not, I'm not, again, controlling yourself, you know, is important. But when we get to the point to where we are like attacking ourselves physically in order to try and keep ourselves from sinning, it gets a little bit too far. That makes sense. Yeah. We should just maybe lean on the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think I'll just walk by faith. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump over to Colossians 3. It's pretty simple and self-explanatory, but verse 22 through 25 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Praise God. Seriously, like, thank God, like, with respect of persons, like, I am not of the pedigree of, you know, apostolics. Like, I am a first-generation apostolic. Anthony, I believe you are. Joe, right. I think you are. Yep. Uh, yeah, like you know, twelfth generation. Yeah, like Seth. Seth I just, Scott I that. just get to enter heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I'm so thankful. That there's no respect of person, right? But yes. it also makes a point is that you know, if that's the case, then I need to do what I need to do to make it into heaven. You know, I need to do it heartily as unto the Lord, yes. and not unto men. You know, at your there's a responsibility there. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, he's talking here. You know, really about at your job. You know, today you know we could consider ourselves servants if we are you know working for somebody or whatever which you know joe and seth i guess get to I'm not be brother. servants because they're the masters the of their no, I'm a servant. <laughs> there you go okay there you go you need to do it not not to get some glory and things like I that for yourself as men pleasers as, you know with eye service <laughs> oh uh oh uh <laughs> but to do it in singleness of heart, fear in God, to do it with the desire of like of blessing God with your work. Amen. Right. That's good. This is this is completely applicable. It's amazing how the Bible talks this time. Yeah. Completely applicable to uh to to us. Yeah, I, I am a servant yeah. to the people I work for and I have to do things right and uh and, uh, mm-hmm. do with integrity and do with Christian value behind everything I do because uh God's watching. <laughs> Yeah, that's the scary part. Mm-hmm. We've got these mm-hmm. things called the conscience. Yep. And yeah. That God's given us. Yeah, and that's holy on top of. That's why you know, in all our dealings, whether we work for somebody or whether we're self-employed, you know, it's got to be done with honesty. It's got to be done with integrity. And not even for us. Not mm-hmm. say this much. It also gives you a good name, which is one of the benefits of doing that. It really does as unto the whole like. For ye serve the Lord Jesus right. Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the yeah. wrong which he hath done. And there is no respected person. <laughs> no, there, there isn't. If you do wrong, mm-hmm. you'll be rewarded yeah. for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. No matter who you are. You know? Yeah. Everything we do is, is a form of worship, either to God or just someone else. Yeah. So it's right. so important that we, we keep the right attitude, keep the right mindset. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, God. Well, I like how they say it, you know, right? God, because yeah, He is the Lord, yep. as to the Lord, not unto man. Right. There can only be one Lord. Yeah, of course we know who that is. Um, we thank you for joining us for this half of Scripture Unleashed, and on the other side of the day, we will see you on the other side of this ad break. Welcome back to Scripture Unleashed. We are going to go over to the Book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was quite the character. 
Brother Jacob, can you give us an overview of Ezekiel? Yeah. So just to kind of give a time frame as to when Ezekiel happens, Ezekiel was actually part of the second round of deportations during the time of Nebuchadnezzar's reign and after. He was actually one of the 10,000 captives that were taken in 597 B.C. So really here, his prophecies are towards Jerusalem, towards Judah, and he is in the land of Babylon as he receives these visions. We find throughout this that the Spirit of the Lord leaves. We find throughout this the destruction of the temple. We see the glory of God several times throughout this. Ezekiel really has some crazy visions, you would think. Right away in the beginning, he starts talking about angels that have four faces and wheels within wheels and fire and all this kind of stuff. Like His visions are quite astonishing, really. Yeah, that's interesting. Ezekiel was, of course, commissioned by God. Like you mentioned, Jacob, he had a message for the house of Israel that Mm -hmm. God wanted Israel to hear. And of course, it was, you know, a message of turnaround. You know, it's time to get right with God, basically. And one of the things that, that I found interesting about Ezekiel's interaction with God is in chapter three, verse four says, and he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee unto them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted." And I found that interesting that God, you know, he told Ezekiel that, that you're not going to a strange people. You're going to the people you're familiar with. You're going, you speak mm-hmm. their language, you know them, you're in their right. culture. He said, you know, I, I'm sending you to these people, but they don't hearken unto you because they don't hearken unto me. You know, several things that stuck out to me. And one was just the concept that Ezekiel, in their mind, is just another one of us. You know, maybe, you know, maybe Ezekiel was was more righteous than, than them. I don't know. Maybe he didn't participate in their idolatry. Because even though Israel and Judah was in captivity, it seems like they were, you know, they were still worshiping idols. They were still doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But Ezekiel you know, has all these words to say to them. And God said, they're not going to listen to you because they don't listen to me. You know, Jesus said something to the extent of a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. Sometimes people that you know, you know, is one of us. You know, I I know Seth pretty well. Seth and I agree on a lot of stuff. We both believe the oneness of God (laughs) and a a whole lot of other things together. But so I know Seth pretty well. You know, what if Seth had a word from God for me? And I think that a word from God wouldn't have to be like Seth just knows that God spoke to him and said, tell Joe this. But we could be in a conversation and God could speak to me through Seth. You know, I wouldn't want to miss that just because I'm like, oh, that's just Seth. Like, I know Seth. I'm used to Seth. So, you know, let's not let people's personalities or or the fact that we know them so well stop us from knowing if God's speaking to us don't just discredit that and then one more thing is just the idea that God said they won't listen to you because they don't listen to me for their hard-hearted people he said if Mm -hmm. I I would have sent you to a different people they would have listened to you (laughs) he said surely had I sent thee to them they would have hearkened unto thee Sometimes a backslidden person that doesn't realize that they're backslidden. Like, I don't think Israel probably 
you know, maybe realize where they were at because they were still worshiping stuff. You know, they were still praying. They were doing their idols and stuff. Mm. But those are the hardest people, hardest people to reach because they already got the basics. Mm-hmm. So sometimes those people can be extremely tough to reach. But, you know, nevertheless, God said, go preach to them. He said, maybe they'll listen to you. <laughs> God may yeah. sound like, I don't know. He said, well, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I guess we'll have to see. But anyway, so those are some of the things that, you know, God's interaction with Ezekiel that I found kind of interesting. It kind of makes me think of being a prophet without honor in your own country. But, oh, sure. it, you know, really got me thinking, you know, like, especially if you're trying to witness to your family or to friends from high school or whatever, right. you know, they, they feel like they know you kind right. of thing. And so, like, when you start telling them that there's a better way, they start thinking that you're just self-righteous. And it... <laughs> It, I mean, really, and that's, it's hard. It becomes really hard. I know with my family, I've had to build up like a rapport right. with them that, that yes, I know the Bible better than you, like right. not, not to be, you know, self-righteous, but like, if you have questions, come speak to me. Right. And having put that baseline, I know like my mom, she'll come and, and we'll talk about scripture and stuff like that. And it really, it makes it hard because they, they think like, oh, who are you to, to tell me how to live, you know, especially like parents and grandparents oh yeah you know they're like we raised you what are you doing turning around trying to tell us how to live you know right yeah makes it difficult you know because you know i've I've got the same situation and uh, Mm um you know i i wasn't i wasn't a great kid growing up especially when i got a little bit older you know 15 to 18 i wasn't a great kid but you know all of a sudden god got a hold of my life and you know and i i mean i really changed In, in two weeks my life changed drastically you know, so I, I went from talking to my buddies about chasing women and drinking beer to all of a sudden preaching to them. And, and they're like, what is your problem? <laughs> I mean, really, they, you know, they thought I was nuts. Yeah. And uh, and I lost a lot of friends over it, too. But, you know, so my family, you know, they're they're thinking about that, too, and thinking like, OK, you know, what kind of drug do you take now? But, <laughs> but you know, like you said, Jacob, after a while, you know, if you keep doing what's right. And that's why. Um, you know, that's one of the things that really helped me live for God. Just the concept, you make one mistake, you know, a major mistake living for God. You can ruin your witness with your family yeah. so fast yes. because they'll be like, yeah, yeah, look at this. And just look at them. Mm-hmm. So that helped me real early on to, uh, you know, just to be conscious of that. You mm-hmm. have to walk a pretty straight line. Don't do dumb stuff. And, and I'm not saying I have never have done dumb stuff, you know, <laughs> if I've been able to keep it concealed from people, that's good. But, but you know, <laughs> don't do obvious dumb stuff. You know, be careful what you do. Don't backslide. You know, don't make a major mistake because, you know, your family is paying attention to what's going on with you. And mm-hmm. like you said, Jacob, you're building rapport and, you know, hopefully one day they'll listen. Awesome. Well, just reading Ezekiel chapter three, not only is he sent, he's sent for a very specific ministry in verse 17. The Lord speaks to him, son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, 
nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Brother Seth, you have commentary on this. Yeah, I was going to tag on to Ezekiel. did have a specific prophecy, and I think for preachers, Ezekiel is a phenomenal book to read through, and mm. you can just find a lot of promises of God. But then right. Ezekiel, I'll back up just a little bit, Ezekiel 2 and verse 5, and it says, And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. Whether people listen to you or people despise you, at the end of the day, they're going to know there's been a prophet. There's going to, they're going to know there's been a preacher. Right. Somebody mm. declaring righteousness amongst them. Even if you know the prophet's without honor in his own house, they're going to know something was different about you. you know, right. You live right. But yeah, you know, in Ezekiel 3, he's a watchman. You get this picture of back in the day, 595 B.C. to be approximate or exact. That's what my Bible <laughs> says anyways. So, um, yeah. You know, they had, you know, these large walls around their city and mm -hmm. a watchman would be, you know, they'd have several watchmen posted up on the walls to, to see an enemy coming or, you know, whatever the case may be and to protect that city. You know, they'd shout and have the gates closed up and all that stuff. If they could see an enemy coming off and, and to protect their city. And, and this is what God is telling Ezekiel, you're a watchman, but mm -hmm. obviously not in some physical way. But, well, it was physical, ended up being physical, but in a spiritual way right? that had physical implications, you know. But God's saying preach. Preach to mm -hmm. this rebellious people, as we read in 2 5, whether they hear you, whether they ignore you, that's on them. But you're going to have to preach. You're the watchman. Yeah. You're right. the one telling them what's going to happen. I love it here. God's like, this is how fair and how equal God is. You know, everybody wants equality now. But will we have an equal God who's all mm -hmm. about equality? There's one Lord, one faith, you know, one baptism. There's not 1,500 different ways. But anyway, right. um, you know, there's there's one way that's fair as it gets. Yep. But if you read here, it says, you know, verse 17 through 21, God tells him to preach. If the righteous, if he stays righteous, you know, good for him. Or if he turns to sin, he's going to die in his sin. And if the, the sinner turns from his sin, it says he has delivered his soul. Mm -hmm. You know, and then if you flip Ezekiel 18, does the exact same thing. He talks to him. God's like, are not my ways equal and your ways unequal? He's a watchman. He's watching for these people's souls. And as preachers and pastors, that is our commission to go out there, preach the gospel, warn people, right, and then see them turn from their wicked ways. That's why I put in our notes, I was like, you know, Ezekiel is this great prophetic book, but it also could be like words of wisdom for preachers and pastors. You know, it's kind of that right. concept, but you're not even for just pastors, but for husbands that are leading their families, right. dads, you know, you are the watchman on the wall for your home. What you allow in, what you don't allow in is going to affect the rest of your family. You are the guard of your home and your family and what you allow to happen spiritually. There's going to be physical ramifications well, on and on. We could go on and on all day, but I'll stop. Yeah. And really, like you see that throughout the Gospels. And one that really kind of came to mind was John the Baptist, how he's preaching repentance through through water baptism. And when the Sadducees come and the Pharisees, he says to him, you know, he says, oh, you generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Like, who, who was the watchman that told you to prepare for the time? Paul, 
writing to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 5, verse 11, he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, like he's talking about the wrath to come. And because they know God's wrath upon the unjust, God's wrath upon the evil, the evil man, He's saying we persuade men. We try and tell people to turn away as that watchman does. You use the analogy of a watchman upon a wall. If he were to cry out and say that there's an enemy coming and the citizens just ignore him and don't close the door, it's on them. He has all right Right. to flee himself from the wrath to come. And it's on them because they didn't listen. But if he holds his peace, he is basically on the side of the enemy. Right. Because he didn't warn the people. Just to think about, not only is he with the rest of the people, but God said that your bl- that their blood is on your hands. If you preach, then if you preach to them and warn them, you've delivered your soul. Yeah, and that's that's part of that being a watchman. There was a cross reference that reminded me. You know when it said he delivered his soul, the Apostle Paul in Acts, you know, he talks about you know having a clean conscience. Right. Between God and man, because how could how could he have a clean conscience? Because he preached everything that God told him to preach. And uh, and he was guiltless before God because he preached the word. But Yeah. In chapter nine of Ezekiel, there begins a great slaughter in verse four. The Lord says unto him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Jump down to verse eight. And it came to pass while they were slaying them and I was left that I fell upon my face and cried and said, oh, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Brother Seth, there's a pretty interesting response in verse nine. Yeah, there is. Then he said unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel in Judah is exceeding great. And the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. For they say, The Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. Which could not be further from the truth. Like, God mm-hmm. knows what's mm-hmm. going on all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's kind of that thought in our day. If you take that in order, uh, the land is full of blood, the city full of perverseness. For they say, the Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. We have people in our day, we have this thing called atheism, mm-hmm. which uh, if you're a something, that means you are without. So they're without God. They don't believe in a God. They're atheistic or, or uh, agnostic. They believe there's some kind of higher power, but we don't really know what that is. And, you know, we it don't really, really interact know. with us. Yeah, he just kind of created everything, maybe, and then stepped back, and it's you know, and it's just a just a pathetic way of belief, really, mm-hmm. um, because oh, really, at the end of the day, you are creating your own God. You know, right. and Romans talks about you know, Paul said everybody's guilty. Everybody knows there's a God, and if you read Romans one, everybody knows there's a God. Look at creation testifies to it. You know, you could, and he gives all these arguments. Everybody knows there's a God. And so these people that are, they're like, well, God doesn't see, or maybe they say, well, if the Lord, you know, I'm agnostic, God created everything, but he doesn't really interact with us. And so therefore I can do whatever I want. And that's kind of the thought of our day. It's like, Mm -hmm. because they don't, they believe that God doesn't see, or they believe that there is no God, or they believe that God just created everything and stepped back. Now he's going to let it all go up in flames. Because of that, the land is full of blood. Especially, look at our day. 
Like, I mean, the, these riots, this protesting, this craziness, the wars, the rumors of wars. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the land's full of blood. The iniquity is exceeding great in our day. I mean, the sin is abounding. But thank God where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Mm-hmm. You know, and, Amen. Uh, and it's the city's full of perverseness. Like it couldn't describe our day any better. Right. You know, it's just murder on every hand. Uh, people's minds are being warped and twisted in, in sick ways and right. just full of iniquity. And I mean, just like, oh, there might be a God, but I'm going to do whatever I want anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay. Yeah. It's just scary. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it's accurate to our day. Going into chapter 10, following along with this, because of that fact that they did not like to acknowledge God in their own mind, as Roman says, really we see what happens in chapter 10 as a result of this. Chapter 10 is basically God is preparing throughout the first part to leave the temple that's in Jerusalem. Ezekiel kind of gives the idea that the chariot of God, those those four angels with the wheel within a wheel that it's preparing to take off. And in verse 18, it says, Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. So God is basically stepping into this chariot, so to speak. And then he leaves. He leaves out of the east gate and he basically leaves the temple to be destroyed. And we know that it does get destroyed shortly after all this happens. And really, this is kind of showing what is going to happen to this world during that last seven years. Really, God is like, okay, you know, have at it. He'll step back and allow Satan to do what he wishes upon the earth for those seven years. Of course, then he comes back and, you know, and reclaims everything that's his. But really, this is kind of a a type and shadow of what we're expecting to see. The Lord's going to step back here any moment, Lord willing. I hope he takes the church before all of this stuff happens. You know, I, I, I pray for a pre-trib. I expect probably a mid-trib. I don't know. It's just something that really we have to be prepared for is when God leaves the temple. Right. Well, one of the things you guys were talking about is the fact that the day and age we live in is so perverse, but yet for some reason we, we just want to justify every single thing we do. May we fight things that are wrong with other things that are wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, you did us dirty, so we're going to do you dirty. But mm-hmm. in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. I think this verse speaks volumes with the mindset of mankind today. It's so easy to justify our decisions, our choices. But ultimately, there's got to be one who judges. And who is that? That's mm-hmm. God. That's the Lord. Bible talks over and over again about the Lord thy God. Who is that? Well, it's the Lord. There's only one. We, we know him as Jesus today. Um, right. The Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess that he's king of kings, Lord of lords. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Surely, mm-hmm. if it's in his word, it matters to him. Right. Um, yeah. But so many times we want to make excuses as mankind, but surely that's not the right way to go. Proverbs, again, echoes that in verse 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Once again, the voice of wisdom asks us to reconsider that danger of self-justification. One of my prayers today is that we would learn how to submit to correction rather than try to defend our every move and our every excuse why we are so wicked. Truth exposed is truth you can act on. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's scripture. 
all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. That's why in our mind, the way we're thinking is right. And that's why it's so important, I believe, to have godly leadership and be submitted to a pastor. Because if there's no one in, in your life that can tell you anything, that mm-hmm. you're just, you're always right. Mm-hmm. And you are in a dangerous place. Yes. Right. I mean, really, you are in a very dangerous place. So the Bible says that a, that a backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. Once you are full of your own ways and you're always right and no one can tell you anything differently, you know, whether you were right with God at one time or not, you are a backslider in your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there are situations that I've been involved in. You know, I'm just thankful that I have a pastor that I can just ask him, hey, like, what do you think about this? And if you really care about what God thinks about stuff in your life, you're going to be willing to talk to other people about it. Mm-hmm. And, and get their opinion. Godly people. I'm not talking about, you know, don't go ask Facebook. Do you guys think I should do this or not? You know, they take up a poll on Facebook. No, talk to, <laughs> talk to godly people. You know, talk right. to people whose life matches what they preach. Know them mm-hmm. by their fruits. But talk to people. I mean, you know, if you have good family members, talk to them about stuff in your life. You know, if you got things that you're not sure about, you know, talk to your pastor about it. Just ask them, like, like, what do you think I should do in this situation? I mean, you know, I, I've been in situations where if I do something wrong here, I can really wreck a lot of stuff. You know, and I'm just thankful to have a pastor and, and godly people in my life that can shine the perspective and say, you know what, this is what I see, you know, zooming out. So sometimes when you're in the middle of, of things going on in your life, it's really hard to see the big picture sometimes. And that's why you don't just take what you think is right and run with it. Slow down, pray about it. Some things are not spelled out in the Bible. They're just not. I mean, you know, we go through things that we can pick principles from the Bible and all that, but you're probably not going to find a scripture that says, thou shalt, you know, in this situation, in every situation, thou shalt do this. But if you got a pastor and godly counsel in your life, that sure helps a lot. And, and it makes things mm-hmm. a, a whole lot easier sometimes. Well, the thing about a watchman is their viewpoint is better than what your viewpoint is. Right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's so important, what you just said, brother, about having a pastor, about having reliable, trustworthy people that echo the word of God in their own lives. Right. To share yeah. counsel and wisdom. The Bible says yeah. in the multitude of counselors are safety. And on top of that, well, I guess really underlying that about having a godly man or woman in your life that can speak into your life. But also, you know, what we're doing here with this podcast is our Bible reading. How important it is to not just read it, just to read it, but really to read the Word of God with the intent to say, is my life reflecting what this is saying? And if it's not, how can I change it to do so? By reading the Word, you both look into a mirror, you see what needs to be changed, and then you are cleansed by the Word. So you're not clean in your own eyes, but you're clean based upon what the Word says. Right. Did we not cover something that jumped out to you? Do you have advice or a word of encouragement? Just let us know by sending us a voice message through Anchor.fm or through our Scripture Unleashed Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode, and we look forward to having you join us next week when we go through Ezekiel chapters 13 through 36 and Proverbs 20 through 22. God bless. God bless. Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.